Patterson for Sebo. Runs at them, pops it out the back, and Jennings plants it down to score. <laughs> Through the hand, Sebo pops it. Dylan Brown will score, and the Eels make the most of a chance right on the bell at the break. A chance here to add to their own scoreline. Good tackle by Kepi. Spinning hard, though. Evans might have got there. The referee certainly thinks he has. We want to check things. Moses from right in front wants Painter, and he got it. Mitch Moses, with a heads-up play, takes the one on this right-hand side. Looks in, comes out the back. Kondravojevic, catch and pass. the nerves in those last few moments there where Manly crossed over the line. Do you think that was it? No, it was a forward pass. We got, we got called one um, last week the exact same. Uh, Guthrie throws a pass to Micah, the exact same, exact same pass and um, you know, I'm just happy that the refs got it right. Welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast, but not just another edition, the 100th edition. Uh, we did it, boys. Why TV? Uh, take, take it off now. Surprised we haven't got some, you know, bash from... No cease uh, and desist, no DMCAs. We're still here, baby, 100, 100 strong yeah. and still going. <laughs> yeah, the uh, official, unofficial... Uh, Parramatta Eagles That's podcast. Right. That's right. And uh, taking off the helmet, uh, waving the bat around. We've brought up the century, and uh, we're ready to go on with it, though. Head back into the game. Uh, so let's go through it. Birdie, you're here tonight, aren't you? Yeah, I'm here. What? Why? Am and I coming through? Oh, Present. <laughs> and Bro, we're still dysfunctional since cackling, episode cackling away in the background. There we go. All right. Well, to kick things off, let's get the review. Eels, 19, Manly, 16. Uh, you know, get that into your Manly. How, how good were the tears? And, and uh, was it – who posted the uh, the photo of uh, – was it Adam Fanua Bloke doing oh, the, okay. the crying face? Yeah, you know, yeah, get that run. into you. Um, but try scorers, Michael Jennings, Dill Brown and Kane Evans. And then conversions, Moses two from three. And penalty goals, Mitch Moses one from one. And also slotting a field goal. Uh, so leading halftime 12-2 and then shortly after halftime 18-2, letting Manly come back into it. Uh, but at the end of the day, we had 51% uh, of possession completed at 81%, 35 or 43. Uh, the stats are pretty even. Um, for the majority of it. Average play the ball speed, again, slower, 3.58 seconds to 3.4 seconds. Um, see where we actually... 100% kick defusal, uh, three force dropouts. Uh, tackles are all pretty similar, although we had 45 missed to Manly's 34, 12 errors to 10, four penalties apiece. Um, and it says we used eight interchanges. So we used eight interchanges without bringing... Tacker on onto yeah. the field. Poor Tacker. Surplus the requirements. Um, only really winning margin there was line breaks five to four. So a, a pretty even game, and that's how it bore out on the scoreline. Um, Which is actually I'll, interesting because I, I thought they were in much more control of the game for the vast majority of it. So interesting that the numbers. I think it was that that twenty or twenty five meter, uh, twenty five minute period uh, from about the the fifty to fifty five minute mark where we sort of just took the foot off the. Floor. I don't know. We, I don't even know if it was taking the foot off. I think we we went away from the game plan. Like there was one set there where Gutherson took the uh, hit up and then he pushed um, Reed out from dummy half and and put a chip kick in for himself. And I don't think that was in BA's uh, game plan. Uh, I I think we got a bit too cute. Uh, at the back end, as opposed to, you know, just kicking long and and making Turbo, you know, get down on his knees for us time and time again. Um, (laughs) Forget forget getting down on his knees. He full-on presented himself for us. He was um, not interested in kick returns that game. Bertie, how did you say it? Well, I'm not going to say it was a complete 80-minute performance, but really the only times, 
like we forget about the first try to uh, Manly. That was just a scrum overlap. But the rest of their try, the other two tries, they were like on the last tackle. Like when we like be realistic. Like when you're on last tackle, not everyone's switched on. Like usually the middle will pressure and like you sort of lack off. So like I'm not too fussed about it. Like I was heading into the heading into the game, I was worried that the their pack was going to dominate us. You know, second phase football. But really, like they just did nothing. And um, for Noah Black, yeah, okay, he's a handful to um to stop. But when he's going, when he's walking backwards and he's wrapped up, he's not really damaging. And even like the power was like, ugh, there's nothing. Like I, I thought it was a great performance from our boys. You know, our forwards that you bashed them in terms of like we didn't give up. We just continued to fight for every single yard or inch, whatever you know, whatever things you want to say. But um, yeah, I was happy with it. Like even Tom Turbo coming off that week, you know, his all week was about Tom Turbo, how he's a freak. The dude. He was, you know, he was linking up to his bloody um, he got freaky, European he background. He got, he got freaky, down, with, the, like yeah, he got freaky with the turf. That's the only thing he did that was freakish. He'd make, he'd make a Serbian soccer player proud of the amount of time <laughs> he went down. Like, seriously, uh, he, he was not dangerous. The only back that was dangerous was Tafua, and he scored two tries that were Corey Oates-esque tries. Like, I'm not too phased. Like, yeah, okay, they came close, but we just, like, we just tuned out on the last tackle. That's it, really. And... On Turbo, that one uh, contested kick between the two fullbacks, uh, Gutherson getting yeah, a bit of revenge. Sweet vengeance, baby, from Brookvale last year. Um, 40, how did you see it? Yeah, I, I think that that first 40 minutes showed exactly what we can do against the better teams in the competition as far as strangling them out of a contest. Moses and, and Dylan were so composed on the last tackle, and not even the last tackle, they were kicking three, four, and fifth tackles uh, options there with um, Reed chiming in as well and really pinning the Seagulls back deep in their half. The kick chase was really strong on top of that, which is, you know, the most important complementary piece to a kicking game you can have. So I was really happy with that. I thought that really set the tone early on um, before those little lapses happened where we gave away a couple of fast-bladed balls in the second half and Manly really uh, capitalised on it. But um, it was hard to really point out dominant performances um, across the team because it was such a, a solid all-round effort for the most part. Um, I thought that Michael Jennings had, an, had a couple of really nice moments. He... Um, Put a. It's unfortunate he couldn't go to, to the house with it, but he really put Tom Tobojevic on a highlight reel with that run that he had late in the second half. Um, I thought Guffo was pretty good. Um, he was unlucky not to draw a sin bin on um, Lachlan Croker late in the game as well, by the by, where I thought that Croker had a second effort on a line break, um, pulling Guffo down, stopping a fast play of the ball. Um, and beyond that, I think just through the forwards, I really solid. Kane Evans came off the bench and was um, did some nice things. Um, Oregon was unlucky not to nab a try. So it was good seeing the team contribute 1-17. to um, but Lenny Manley back in was frustrating, so they'll definitely have a lot of teaching tape out of his game that can take them to the next level moving forwards. And Ham, you saw the the replay, not seeing it live because you're on a camping trip, is that right? Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, just nervous the whole weekend. No, I enjoyed myself, <laughs> but just just had this sinking feeling in my stomach that, you know, I just wanted to win because one of the blokes at work, he was being mouthy, so I'm glad we won. Um <laughs> The, I'll start off with some negatives that I saw in the – well, a positive, actually. The way we held onto the ball early on and that strip from Gutherson, I really thought um, put a lot of pressure on Manly. It was it was a smart play um, for us to hold the ball there and do that. But with that amount of possession, I just think we need to score a few more points there because Manly were on the ra- on the ropes. Um, Tapao had gone off for basically no me- – like, I think he ran for – had two runs. Um, you know, so we had them there. I think that – you know, obviously the, the the plan is to slowly build and build and build, but against the top teams can't do that. And obviously, Manly going to be a top this year. So I think in that first half we probably have a try, and that would have definitely sealed the game. Um, so yeah, that's the one thing that I would like to see us do against the top team, top later on. And it all changed when Sivo dropped that ball. Like it was, I know Blocker wanted to say um, Dylan could have done better at dummy half. It's, it was at his chest. It was a soft pass. It was a concentration area. That really let Manly back into the game. They scored off that. Um, and then again, with Gutherson flinging it across to Ferguson, just sort of so those little concentration things. You know, if those two plays don't happen, I don't think, you know, Manly might have scored a, a, a consolation try late on, but I don't think they score a try to keep themselves in it. Um, so, no, it's just little things like that I think we have to work on. Uh, I, I thought our completion was poor but i'm just looking here it's 81 percent. so uh it wasn't too bad but you know it's just those two drop balls were i thought were really costly and um dominated the game uh i don't you know even though it was close when we were up um 12-2 i think it was i don't i don't think manly were in it it was our costly errors and them happened to score a try gave them a bit of confidence and we didn't drop that i don't think i'm close to us one of 
the things moving from an NFL perspective here. I'm um, their greatest coach in the NFL. You know, so suppose some people argue Lombardi, but Bill Belichick is the most successful. One of the things that Bill does so well in a game to game basis is he denies the opposition their best strength. And I think that tactically, Brad Arthur did a, super, a superb job, not just to Tom Tobojevic, but Daly Cherry Evans just got shut out of that game. And it really made Manly struggle for, for options until they got those a handful of fast play the balls or errors off us. And that's where you saw Dylan Walker and um, George Tafua sort of prosper. So I really want to give Brad Arthur and the coaching staff a shout out and the players too for executing the game plan for really taking away what makes Manly so dangerous as a team. Um, Fanua Blake and Tapau couldn't get a platform in the middle, which took away Danny Levi, who always has a career game against Parramatta. So he was a non-factor barring that one Wonga Blake tackle. And then from there, their two best uh, attacking options in Cherry Evans and Tavojevic were just non-factors. So a really good game plan and was really well-executed for the most part. Yeah, you want to talk about um, Danny Levi having career games. Was that career high forward passes from a dummy half? Well, it, it, it is fitting that I brought up the NFL perspective because the guy was playing gridiron out there, wasn't he? He was. Oh, it, it was. And the thing was, I want to go on about, you know, I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> um, they're talking about a forward pass from Tom Trevojevic. I'm sorry, but if a, if a touch, I'm, I put shit on touches all the time. But if touch is making a split decision, he see a pass, he's thrown behind the line, it gets caught on the line. You know, you have to make a decision. You mainly. If you go back and rewatch that game, Tom Trebojevic, uh, not Tom Trebojevic, Jake Trebojevic, Cherry Evans and Levi, those three players are grubs. If you take out, you know, they want to talk about Jake Trebojevic's um, perfect tackling technique. Yeah, it's good, but he's still a grub when they're on the ground. Like, he was afforded so much time in our ruck that they could, merely could have given away four or five easy six-again um, calls there. And it's, you know, it's, it's annoying that, you know, they're denying how good Parramatta were purely because one pass. Manly threw 200 and whatever passes in the game, and they're talking about one. And this is something that we brought up in our uh, online post-match discussion, is that Parramatta suffered from a similar syndrome for years where we were told that you can't let one or two calls decide the outcome of a game when we weren't good enough to overcome that. And it's very much, you know, you can now throw that in the face of the opposition, can't you? Because yeah. if, you're, if you're good enough, you'll overcome one call, even if it happens in the 79th minute. And it just so happened, as you mentioned, that Manly were, were pretty much sailing close to the wind for the entire game as far as ruck discipline and as far as forward passes. And eventually the wind changed direction and blew in their face. And that's what happens when you, you know, you, you play like that. It's going to get you at some point. And it got them in the crucial moment of the game. So I don't feel any I don't feel any pity in that regard because as a Parramatta Eels fan, we've copped our um our fair share of awful games. And I always harken back to I think it was twenty sixteen against both the Raiders and the Sharks. We had a couple of games that were officiated atrociously including um, Fafita dropping the ball cold in a, they played the ball in the lead-up to a game-winning try for the Sharks. So, yeah, it is what it is. I will say one thing that does, does piss me off is if we didn't let him score that end, like if we just tackled him short of the line, Yeah, Eric, it, it, it takes out any like, question, that's right. And, exactly. And then, like, the the, flip, the flip side is that, like, that is that Sean Lane and Dylan Brown didn't chase as hard as they would have because they saw the touchy stop and put the flag up. Yeah. So, but I'll, if I was right off, I'd tell them from now on just to remove any yeah, doubt they're going to score. I, just tackle them. I agree, and that would 100% be a, a teaching point out of his game is that he will tell Lane and Brown to go on with the job. doesn't make a difference if the touchy stopped, you go on with the job, and you bury the winger. So, Well, uh, Sivo certainly didn't miss Turbo, and that's probably what led to that, <laughs> uh, that call because he, he crunched him and put him two metres yes, back, which he, made it look even worse. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know what? It wasn't forward, but you know what? Get fucked, man. <laughs> Eat that. Eat it. Remember round three, 2014, when you fucks took a penalty that wasn't a penalty? Marched yeah. up field and uh, was it Tafur that scored on the, the final or was that? Mad- it was Matt Mad- actually. Matt yeah. scored on the bu- Yeah, you fucking degenerate cheats. Yeah, that, was, that? That, was, that was the same game we got done for an incorrect play the ball sideways. Manly had about three of them that went um, uncored. So yeah, there's, I there's, think I had one in the play just before the try yeah. as well on the buzzer. There's, so you know some, what? There's some long memories here. That's, my that's exactly right. How do you like it? That's exactly right. So. I will say that's the second greatest forward pass that's going against Manly. Do you remember the one back <laughs> the in Chris the Keating, seven? the Chris Keating ball? Yes, the one that yeah, led to Des, Des, Des tore off the door at the old Parramatta Stadium. Yeah. yeah. See so that that a, that is a call you can get genuinely upset about. That forward pass was something um, else. Can anyone explain to me? Sorry to bring it down again. Um, Michael Jennings was penalised for not being square at marker after he dived on the ball. Yeah, yeah. I've rewatched that. He's square. Is it because Dylan Brown? No, it's it's because he dove on the ball. Referees are loathe to give a turnover away on that thing. There's like some unwritten understanding that you're meant to wait ten seconds 
for someone to get near the ball because Manly had no one near to play the ball. They were at a complete mess. Yeah. And Even if Dylan doesn't get, um, you know, tangled up with Evans and Dylan's all in his rights to run. He wasn't running into Evans on purpose. He just ran to get back into marker. And Jennings was perfectly square. So, you know, you want to talk about bullshit calls. Oh, yeah. And, already. and like I mentioned, Lachlan Croker could have been in the bin in the last 10 minutes. There and was, Dylan Walker dropped a cold and, over the and, line. And the, the reverse angle of the Dylan Walker try shows he lost contact with the ball. Exactly. So And Tafua's second one, uh, the pass from, was, was it that's DCE right, the, the to the long Parker pass, was The suspect, long pass to DCE, you know? yeah, was flat at best. And the, they happened to get that call go their way. So, you know, it is what it is. You get plenty of calls across the course of 80 minutes that go either way. And Manly weren't good enough, so no. If you're not good enough for 79 minutes, you sh- you know you're not going to can't talk about one minute. Exactly. Although although I have to say, uh, Green Bay against uh, the Lions this year, they led for zero minutes in two games and still won both games. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, one negative I did want to touch on that right edge defence. Um, I think it's it's there was a disconnect between um, Wonga Blake and, and Blake Ferguson. Mm-hmm. But I think added on top of that, uh, Ryan Madison, obviously with Nathan Brown out, he was uh, helping a bit in the middle to, to uh, blunten the, the middle boys for Manly. Um, and I think that drew him out of position a couple of times. And you could see uh, trying to make the numbers up on that right edge, we were caught a couple of times short of man. Um, so I think that, can be remedied with Nathan Brown coming back into the lineup, but uh, Wonga Blake, he he did get one big shot on uh, on Dylan Walker and absolutely hammered hammered him. But uh, I I thought he was pretty undisciplined at times on yeah, that right edge. It's something that I wrote about in my post game blog, and I, I think that the aggression between the twenties is fine. But just when we're on our own line in our red zone, I wanted to dial it back a little bit and really focus on making that strong contact rather than looking for the big hit. And and I think that's also what plays into Fergo being a little bit unsure about when he needs to come in or not because Wang was a little bit of a wild card against the Seagulls, because on that last try, <clears throat> oh, sorry, the last the try, the, the last official try, the second of Tafua's, if Fergo had stayed on his man on Wang, on Tafua, it would have been an easy wrap-up. But yeah, I think just Wang needs to, to dial in the aggression, just channel it a little bit more efficiently, and I think that the right edge will come good after that. And other than that, um, yeah, I think we played rather well, but just and and was that bit of trivia that it might have been the quickest pair of tries yeah, uh, Freddie, one was on the buzzer. And- Freddie on his um little post match review of Aaron Mullen was talking about how we scored with thirteen seconds. We set the scrum with thirteen seconds ago in the first half, and uh, uh, Dylan got over with the buzzer ringing, and then off the error from the uh, Seagulls in the second half, we'd scored within like the first minute or something like that. And um, he said factoring in the time that usually takes for a conversion, he thinks that it might be the fastest set of consecutive tries. Um, in the NRL. What about that set play off the scrum? Yes. Oh, Dill, Dill Brown, the winger. <laughs> yeah. oh, just, you know, I saw Sterlo talk about the scrum and how he likes the the way that they've allowed them to pick where they want as long as it brings in, you know, a set play. What is what a set play? You, you put Sivo at centre. The winger has to come in because if you're, you're going up one-on-one against Sivo 10 metres out, you're not stopping him. So I just – I really enjoyed that. And I hope, you know – I noticed the Roosters have started to employ our um, tactic of, um, say, if you start on the 20-meter line, the winger feeds the ball. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I hope the teams do start doing it because um, it's good attacking footy. What about the put-down, man? I honestly almost <laughs> crapped myself. He was just so casual. Like, I think the way I, I looked at I thought, thought they'd thrown a forward pass. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dylan was looking up sheepishly and was like, oh, is this coming back? No, it was, um, it was all a good. Forward, and then my dad's like, no, nah, it's not forward. But I'm like, well, put it down then, idiot. You, you talk about put-downs. Jenko oh, nearly 2018'd his try. <laughs> when, oh. when one CFO threw him the nice little um, offload when he steamrolled um, Tom Dubojevic for the first try, Jenko had about three goes at it and got it eventually. But, um, yeah, I, I do like seeing the uh, the set pieces from the scrums. And it was something we did a lot with Semi Radraja before he ended up moving on, was um, sort of deploying him across the, the back line in a different looks. And it yielded some pretty good results. And it looks like they're starting to trust Mekasivo more with the development of his um, broader footy skills. And I think just in general, he's been um, given more responsibilities because you watch him, he's, when he does his kick returns now, he's keeping his head up looking for support. Because I, I don't know if they've told him that defenders are keying in on him because he's such a powerful runner, but he's constantly looking for Jenko or Guffo as an option on his kick returns. And we saw that with Jenko getting a nice little line break and turning Tommy Tobojevic inside out off the back of a Sivo run and offload. But yeah, it, it's good seeing the evolution of Sivo because he can be such a difference maker for us and the ability to deploy him and Ferguson across the field in unique looks is what's going to make us a, such a hard team to handle once we get set up in the red zone. And yeah, Sivo, the uh, 
the try assist machine in this game, uh, handing the ball off and um, the yeah, no, he was he was really fantastic. Uh, another player that I wanted to shout out his his try scoring drought continues, <laughs> uh, but Ferguson over two hundred meters absolutely did all the the rough stuff coming out of our end. Um, you know, with that sort of effort, he's going to be bagging a try sometime soon. Um, yeah. FYI, Siva had more tries than Delhi Cherry Evans, so <laughs> get that up to you, mate. Certainly more than Tom Travojevic, too. And, um, and and speaking of halves, probably should give a shout-out to uh, Reed, uh, Reed Money, Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown, who defensively had to handle a lot of work. And I think oh. they, they got Dylan down for uh, 30, 33. 33 tackles, one missed, I think, maybe. And uh, yeah. Mitch had about, was it 19 tackles and three missed. They sent a lot of traffic at both those boys, and they handled all of it. So credit to them for not shirking uh, a very important responsibility in defense. Yeah, you want to talk about Jake Travojevic's technique. In, mate, Dylan Brown's half his size and has yeah. perfect I, I, tackling technique for a half. I joked after the game that he was a lumberjack in a previous life. He just cuts him down, just oh, gets in and, and just chops him down. It doesn't make a difference if it's David Fafita or if it's Villanami Kikau who's going to face next week. He just gets in and, and cuts him down. Oh, and yeah. big shout out to um, Brad Takarangi, mate. Just that bench has never been. <laughs> um, you know what I've just uh, found? They break down average play the ball speed stats per player on NRL.com. I didn't realize that. Oh, is, is, is Maker as bad as we think? He wasn't for this game. He was at 3.73 seconds. So he was below the average, the team average, but he wasn't a huge outlier. No, you've got Dylan Brown was the worst at 4.03 seconds, Dylan. followed by Gutho at 4.01 seconds. Uh, Kane Evans and Penny Terrapo, uh, quick boys, 2.44 seconds. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Pe- Penny was at 3.21. Take that back. I was going to say 2.44 is lightning. Mitch Moses, even quicker at two seconds flat. Poking his um, nose through the holes, eh? So there you are. I, we'll have to go back and look at what the stats were for last um, match, the round three matchup against Broncos for Maker, because it might it might have been blown out in that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he wasn't looking for penalties in this game, which was good. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, Reed Marnie, his kicking game again, um, superb, stellar. So good, uh, yeah. Also assisting to pin back Turbo uh, in that back end. Um, other than Murata, again, good starting. He'll um, go back to the bench. Uh, Oregon Kafusi had a, a good first stint um, and just missing that try. He didn't fib it too much. He didn't try sell that he had it. He'd scored it. <laughs> but I mean, you can understand why you would celebrate that. Like there was half a centimetre in it. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty close. I mean, if, and if Dylan Walker can get a try awarded that way, why couldn't Oregon? So I don't, I don't begrudge him that. I know we praise Junior a lot, but Rick and Campbell Gillard, man, 100 metres up 20 minutes. And if you look at his stats, he plays nine minutes less than Campbell um, than Junior. Yeah, he's just got to get more got, meters. Got to go get rid of the, the Ben Roberts knock on there, dropping it cold. Oh, no he, one in front of him, but he might be. He's um. I know it's a bit too early, but you know, signing of the, the year. He's been very good for us, and the fact that Brad Arthur can trust him and Junior for huge minutes in his rotation, and then leverage that alongside Ken Evans gives him a lot of flexibility of how he wants to use his bench, and it's a, a pretty unique situation for a coach to have, and something that's very useful. Like, I'm not shitting on Madison, but. I'm not expecting Campbell Gillard to be, you know, paying house numbers or like, you know, break the game open and score tries, but just do your job. And he's doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So a uh, good summary there, boys. I think we've wrapped that up well. Um, so fuck Manly. Enjoy that loss. Uh, and it won't be, it was about five or six weeks and then we'll play them again. So uh, we know they'll be out for revenge. Yeah, they, but they cap off our, our big run for the draw. We go through uh, this week, Penrith, then Raiders, Roosters, and then we end Roosters, up Raiders, Roosters, Cowboys, Raiders, Cowboys, and then we go Knights, Knights Manly. And, hey, Where do we play them next? Who's that, Manly? Yeah, which stadium is it? Uh, it's to be confirmed stadium at the moment in round 10. Probably better than Lotto Land. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be back to Lotto Land at that point. Yeah, depending so. on what the, um, the restrictions have, uh, look like. Um, all right, well, we'll wrap up the review there and then jump into some news. Uh, oh, sorry, I'll give a plug to thebigdonargue.com if you want to uh, go get some stats there. Again, it's compiled of all the performances this year. So you can go compare uh, Junior Paulo to Adam Fanua Blake or uh, Marty Tapao to, to Regan Campbell-Gillard, see where they're sitting um, so far this season uh, on their aggregates uh, stats. Um, all right, so the first bit of news, uh, following the game, Wonga Blake was charged uh, with a rare grade one high tackle careless. Three Wonga. Three. For his tackle on Danny Levi in the 19th minute, um, he faced a 550 
dollar fine if he entered an early guilty plea, and he entered that early guilty plea. So he's free to play this week against old club Penrith Panthers. Um, I don't think there's any carryovers because it's a fine. They've dealt with it as a fine. I think you get like X amount of fines before you can't get a fine again. I think it's like three fines maybe. I could be wrong about this. But there is. I think there is some sort of tiered system there. But, yes, he shouldn't have any carryovers. Hey, Mitch, I reckon you should start um – Representing the club in the. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I know the one of our new board members for the Parramatta Leagues Club uh, is a very uh, experienced and. Um, Marugan. Uh, the the barrister I can't I, I can't pronounce his last name and I don't want to butcher butcher it but he's been doing the the legal issues for Paramount Eels uh, on a um, pro bono basis for a long time and much more experienced than myself. So <laughs> yeah, but he's not on the Parapod, he's not on the Parapod. Got to get, so. get got to get the apprenticeship there. Mate. Yeah, well, the vibe of the thing, you know, it just uh, <laughs> didn't sit well, did it? <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of an innocuous tackle, really. Like his yeah. left arm made contact on the front, and then his right arm just sort of came over the top. But you know, if that's a grade one, and and then you've got Stags last week was a grade two. You've got to decapitate somebody to get yeah, a grade exactly. three. Like that scale Name is me, not healthy. Name me a more iconic duo than Parramatta centers and bullshit charges. Seriously, <laughs> we have had even like Jenko's one last year against uh, Yale. Like it was an accident, yet he got missed a week. Like it's bullshit. Yeah, but they are five hundred and fifty dollars fine, and hopefully nothing else to come from that. Uh, following, as in carryover points. Uh, then on to the next bit of news. The club has updated the Parramatta Eels and NRL are currently working through the guidelines for having a small amount of corporate partners and members for next week's game, meaning this week's game against Penrith. Club's current understanding is that the numbers for Friday's game will be very limited in keeping with current public health guidelines. Once the guidelines have been determined, we'll communicate those details and how we intend to approach the selection of our partners and members. So I wonder if they're just doing a lottery or something like that, but um, remains to be seen as of Tuesday night. Can you go to the football, though, if you can get there, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can to go if you can uh, yeah, get in. I'd, 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 be, I'd be keen to get out, for sure. Yeah, I just... I will skin anybody allowed into the game and just wear it over the top of mine. I will I will happily go to jail if I can just watch one game live right now. Probably well, get a hazmat suit or something so I can <laughs> don't catch anything. Well, on that note, uh, Pete Badel on Twitter at Badel underscore C Mail. Exclusive big news for league fans. NRL are planning for full crowds to return to games from August 1. ARLC boss Peter Volandis ramps up moves to end the Codes crowd lockdown situation. Um, so they said we couldn't start league on, what was it, 28th of May. Uh, accomplished. They said we wouldn't have crowds. Uh, we're set to have crowds this weekend, although minor. And now they're going to say we, we won't be able to have full crowds by 1 August and uh, waiting for that to be checked off as well. I've got a, a Valen Daddy poster if anybody wants it. <laughs> oh. I might buy a Rugby Liga. Yeah, simply the best. Um, all right. Well, let's have a look through um, some of the other games. I don't think there's any other news um, or other than uh, uh, something that we all already knew, but uh, uh, old Shark Supremo there at the Daily Telegraph uh, sinks even lower with oh, his reporting the of the, the drugs oh. <laughs> test for, for poor old... Uh, Sorry, what's his name at the Tigers? Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, yeah. Um, if you've ever worked or any ever come into contact with people that have had drugs tests uh, driving, uh, there's so many false positives. Yeah, the first if you sit test. down and watch a couple of episodes of RBT, you just see that the the systems can spit out false positives and and those sort of things all the time. So I don't know why Rothfield ended up doubling down too the way he handled um, uh, Reynolds coming back at him. So just uh, disgusting, but expected, unfortunately. Well, everything that he said was factual, but it was just the way that it's presented. It's the way you, you tell the you frame it is different, isn't it? Exactly. So, and um, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Josh Reynolds going forward after those two big stories this year. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's have a look at the other games of this round. Broncos nil, Roosters fifty nine, eclipsing the fifty eight to nil uh, flogging we gave them back at Bankwest right. the uh, in the finals. Uh, but yeah, Broncos uh, awful there, and um, you know just uh, devoid of any real leadership in that forward pack at the moment. Um, you know, as much as Maguire uh, is a, a rat scumbag, um, you know at least he was somebody that had a bit of authority in their pack. But at the moment, they've got nobody, do they? 
Yeah, they've got no no old heads in the, old hard heads in the Ford pack to roll up the sleeves and the time the going gets tough. They've got a, a sort of spine that really doesn't gel well together. I know they're really hoping that Brody Croft, Croft can come on and be that general for him, but you know, I don't think Brody's really shown that much in his uh, young NRL career as it stands. And, you know, they've got a lot of overpaid dead weight in the team between Darius Boyd, Jack Bird. And I suppose you have to start throwing Anthony Milford in there too because he has the odd good game, but he just is not consistent enough. So the, the Broncos are such a fascinating case study, and it's something that I'm planning to write about this week in, in sort of how to handle a rebuild the wrong way. Because they had their, their rebuild, the path to it seems so obvious. You've got Payne Haas, you've got David Fafita, you've got some good other young pieces in that team. Like just you just need to get some experience and, and a little bit of talent around that. And they've just gone about it in the completely wrong way. Yeah, and a one-town team like the Broncos. Well, yeah, and you, you talk about those sort of advantages as well. Yes, absolutely. And I know that, uh, who was it? Someone wrote about uh, today about how the Melbourne Storm uh, salary cap scandal way back in 2000, and, um, well, when they were cheating back then, but it was busted in 2010, um, is what started unraveling the Broncos dynasty because they couldn't use their TPAs as effectively. But come on. Like, they still have so many advantages over every other club. Uh, you know, they've got one of the greatest rugby league catchment areas for talent, one town, one team town, or one town team, whichever way you want to call it. So they have access to unparalleled corporate support. And, you know, and just the pedigree of the Broncos as far as the recruitment thing is concerned. You know, Guaranteed seven-day turnarounds yeah, pretty much every week. Also, another huge part of that, the, the TV schedule is so kind on them. So, yeah, it is absolutely incredible that they can sink this low. And, you know, and they went all in on a, on a coach that had one year of experience on a team that he inherited that was – clearly built really well what was underperforming and yeah and then yeah you cut out this picture fans he's going to win your premiership but the daily telegraph or the query mail as it were i'm bleating that out when he signs on so i I don't feel any sympathy for the broncos but it is a fascinating case study and not like on what can go wrong when you don't rebuild correctly and now at campbelltown stadium panthers 26 warriors nil uh this was probably the warriors team we were expecting yeah um birdie what did you watch this game yeah actually watched i thought um just Panthers, they just they just throw it around and um, their halves literally you take their halves out like I'm gonna say take the halves out. The half scored three tries between them and you know I thought the Warriors um, their pack handled handled the Panthers pack all right. Like I didn't because when you think of Panthers pack, you think of Kakao and like he hardly did anything. So Panthers yeah, such a, a such a weird team for me to qualify this year because I think that they're definitely a, like a notch below the the sort of the top teams which I think we've established right now with the Roosters. I think Melbourne for, still get the benefit of the doubt here. I don't think they've looked amazing, but they're still at the top um, regardless. There's us, there's the Raiders, and then you've got Manly and the Newcastle Knights who you sort of have, have floating around that um, level, I think. I'm not sure if Penrith deserve to be in that conversation yet. I don't know we're going to find out this week as far as like where we match up against them, but they're such a strange team, I think. Where, do, you, do you think I'm on the right mark there, or do you think I'm off, the, off in the fairies? Yeah, I think, that of course, they, they beat the Roosters earlier in the year. What was that? Was that round one? Uh, sounds like a round one draw. I mean, round one, yeah. So, so you sort of throw those results out in that first week or two. Um, but yeah, I think they've certainly got promise, but it's it's a very young squad as well. Um, so I I don't I've got questions on the consistency, but obviously getting uh, Appy Coruscant or Hooker has uh, made them markedly better than last it's, year when they were it's, struggling full time nine. It's such a even though it handles the ball more than any other position, it is such an underrated role, isn't it? The Hooker. And I think that Reed Marnie's ascent in our team is a big part of why we've been so good in the last year or two. But yeah, Appy has his flaws defensively, but he's a fantastic attacking hooker, and I think that's helped them get off to that. Uh, well, it is undefeated start because they drew against Newcastle Knights. Their bench is shit. Like when I say shit, like that <laughs> doesn't inspire me. Like if they're gonna change the game, they're just plotters. If that makes sense, like. Don't forget, we'll get we'll get to the preview, Bertie. You can uh, oh, <laughs> you can go on your soapbox then. All right, next game. Next game. <laughs> Um, all right, next game, uh, Melbourne Storm 22, Rabbitohs 8. Um, probably Latrell Mitchell's best showing at fullback in this game. Uh, but, yeah, the Storm just too good in this one and grounded out well. Yeah, I think the Rabbitohs are a team that are in the midst of a – once again, they're sort of in limbo, aren't they? Uh, they're obviously better than the, the guys at the bottom because they're just dreadful, but I don't know how good they are. And I think that was really um, – preyed on by the Melbourne Storm as they sort of just put together a, a good but not great performance against them, and that was enough. And then on to Saturday night, uh, the game after ours, Cowboys 16, Sharks 26. Was, this game was all about the pre-game drama. The, um, the, the what's it called, the hot six, or whatever they decided to call them. <laughs> the, six, yeah. the, the six Sharks boys that tested, the, they failed the initial temperature tests with the new COVID regulations and had to wait for a secondary temperature check to be able to play the game. 
So we were about to find out. We were so close to finding out if they were going to have to cancel the game or reschedule um, if the, <laughs> the Sharks couldn't get a team together. So that was crazy. But um, yeah, the Sharks. But yeah, Cowboys uh, coaching seems to be the issue there. They've got so many good names on paper, but just running this block, yeah, block, poor, block pay. Poor, poor Green's attack. been living off 2015 for what now five. This is his fifth year now. Um, he yep. is he is bog average as a coach. He inherited an awesome team with Jonathan Thurston, Jason Tamalolo, and a couple other great pieces that were clearly good enough to get to the premiership. Just you know, hadn't put it all together. And ever since then, he's just and you can just see the Cowboys fans turning on him in recent years. He just is insipid, afraid to make changes. Uh, you know, his recruitment's been real splotchy until this year, I suppose, where he managed to sort of fly almost Bradbury's way into Valentine Holmes and uh, Eastern Masters, running out from the Tigers. So yeah, not not overly impressed with the Cowboys. Got an absolute superstar at Lock Ford, who didn't play that game to be fair, but um Lolo's a freak and um but they're just they're not as good as they should be. Yeah, and coming up against uh, sharks as much as you can drill them for being uh, up and down, usually they're pretty resolute in defense. And once you have that resolute defense against the Cowboys, that yeah, those block pays fr- frustrating a little bit. Off. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, then to probably the upset or well one of the upsets, it was upset Sunday. Uh Knights 34 to the Raiders 18. Uh, Tarpany throwing a bit more than words at our <laughs> old uh, crazy eyes he, clever at the end. He is up there for the biggest grub in the competition, Tarpany. And for a bloke that is a good player but hasn't lived up to the billing of being a great player, it, I find it hilarious that those guys are like that. Um, yeah, just classic Canberra finish there. They're a very good team, but when things go against them, they get grubby. Um, speaking of, of grubs, he's not a grub, but geez, he looks like a, an SA or a lad, but Bradman Best had a, a huge breakout <laughs> game. Um, and I saw, the Reddit was full of the jokes about how he's going to get <laughs> hit up the pub and glass someone after the game because he looks like that sort of character. But he was awesome for them in the back line. Um, Mitchell Pierce and Kalen Ponga very good. Ponga earned himself that strawberry thick shake this time. So and strawberry thick shakes all around for everybody. That was a, a Ponga esque <laughs> performance. And um, the coaching of O'Brien obviously getting the best out yeah, of his well, team. He's, he's going to be an interesting story to monitor because Newcastle had all that talent on paper, which credit to Nathan Brown he built and managed to get them to the um the hunter, but he never managed to get them over the line. They were always chronic underperformers for him. And, you know, you sort of looked at that team and like, why can't they get over the hump? And um, O'Brien's come in here and he's got them starting off really well. So like Penrith, they're undefeated because of that draw. And um, that was a huge upset and that really positions them well moving forwards. We've got the storm this week, so we'll um, find out a bit about more uh, more mm-hmm. about Newcastle. But I was just going to say that it reminded me a bit of the uh, uh, Browns of last year. So they were sort of uh, built to be this really good team last year. Yeah, I, I and, agree. Um, there was huge parallels, but unlike Cleveland, they seem to have gone off the job with a new coach now. So I mean, yeah, I'm, we'll see if Cleveland can do it this year yeah. um, under a new coach. Yeah, well, uh, a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, then. So the other upset, Titans coming back late, 28-23 to 23 over the Wests Tigers. Um, what could you say? Wests, they seem to get two-try lead and then just put the queue in the yeah, rack. Yeah, they, they race out to the early lead. And like you said, they put the queue on the rack, drop the bundle, and let teens back in. Test uh, the five. Test the five. <laughs> all about this result. I have never cheered for a Titans in my life. <laughs> and what was pissing me off was they were scoring those fluke tries, West Tigers, you know, not for Luma. Um, he's he second try and even um, BJ Lillua's try. I was like, come on! They've they've had literally up until um, the Don restart, whatever. They've had all the luck go their way, and they don't need luck to beat a depleted Titans team. And when when the Hounds scored, mate, I almost got the kid off. That's how happy I was. <laughs> it I was, was it was a great result, and uh, watching the Tigers capitulate was pretty entertaining. Um, I will say for the Titans, there were some positive signs in general. I thought that was Ash Taylor's best game in some time. The bar's pretty low there for Taylor, but it was his best game. Um, I like what Tanner Boyd did off the bench. I thought Aaron Clark was better at hooker than Nathan Peets had been. Um, and uh, aside from that, I think the Don had um, a triumphant return to first grade. Hipgrave was good for them. Hip, hip Grave, see, Hipgrave is one of those players, isn't he? He's um, real tough and rough and tumble. Um, but the player that probably really deserves to be um, shout out here is um, Mo Fodawaka, who's like a junior Paulo light, isn't he? Um, sort of big wrecking ball through the middle, gets through big minutes and big meters. Um, he was fantastic for him. And yeah, a break for a win for the Titans, who were staring down the barrel of going a calendar year without a win because of the COVID uh, delay to the season. So if they'd lost against the Tigers, it would have been over 365 days. So credit to them for getting on the board. And and gee, the Tigers, got some, Tigers. The, the Tigers got some questions to ask, haven't they? Because you can't get out to a 12-0 lead or 10-0 lead against a team like the Titans and capitulate the way they did. But I have to say it was fitting. Uh, West Tigers back in ninth position. <laughs> that, <laughs> yes, run. I dread it. Run from it. <laughs> you can't escape your destiny, Wests. 
Uh, and then the uh, Spoon Bowl come early. Bulldogs 22 to the Dragons 2. Um, Dragons, they have to be tanking to get rid of their coach at this point. Like, you can't play that badly without actually trying to play badly. Against the Dogs as well. Like, geez, that was painful. Uh, Kieran Foran was a boost for the Dogs. He helped um, straighten them up and give them a little bit of direction for the halves. But the, the Dragons team, just the mistakes they're making and the, the lack of commitment throughout all phases of the game, they just... I know that um, we had uh, James Graham come out and defend his coach and we had footage of uh, the hooker Cameron McInnes, the captain, walk up and, and give Mary a big shake of the hand after the game. But like you said, maybe those two players are still fully bought in because that's the sort of guys they are, but that roster is not putting in for the coach. I think that um, we, we talked about it before. for themselves. Well, that, that's the other thing too is that in this day and age, it's no longer about putting in for the coach just itself, isn't it? You're, you're playing as a professional. Yeah, you just like – I don't understand how – you know, they say the, the coach can lose the um, the dressing. To me, whatever you think of the coach, you've got to have pride in yourself. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm a fan. I've never played football professionally. But think about the supporters that turn up and, like, pay their – like, that's their escape for the week. Like, have some pride in yourself. Have some pride in your fans. And you can't, you know – I have a soft spot for the Dragons. I don't, I don't mind the Dragons because my mum's an old Dragons supporter. But I knew she was a bad egg. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, stop when they merge. So, um, but it's just have a go. I don't. It doesn't matter if you've played one game mm-hmm. or you know three hundred games. You've got to put in, and none of them are showing. You know, it's even hard to say. But James, you know, obviously Graham will uh, would deny this. Doesn't look like he's putting in. Mm. I think he's got a year past it. Yeah, I, I think too I long, think he's fall, he's starting to fall apart. I think one of the most telltale signs, and this is something that Neutral was speaking about, was that. The inclusion of Adam Clune as you know the young spark that was going to hopefully reignite that backline, but um, all all senior playmakers tended to avoid him. It was like they didn't trust him with um any responsibilities in that game. So you had Corey Norman and Ben Hunt sort of overriding him in their respective roles as halfback or or five eighth and um and fullback for Corey. And it was you know it's tough for a young guy to impose himself on a team like that. And um, you know, I I do want to give a quick shout out to Paul Braden Williami who departed the game early and um saw his NRL win rate. Plummet from four of thirty four wins from thirty two starts to four wins from thirty three starts, um, which is <laughs> up there surely all time for worst strike rates. Yeah, he was really great for my fantasy team because you know uh, <laughs> four points. Uh, Tedesco went out and he was just sitting on the extended bench and came in and, and scored a solitary point. point Although he was on go. minus four at one point, so I guess I can take. Ham, <laughs> uh, you were going to chime in? Oh gosh, oh, I was just going to say about Adam Clune, like. Um, I, I remember back to 2018 when people were, you know, saying, oh, Brad Arthur should blood some. But when you're losing, that's not the time. There, there are, absolutely. There are times when you want to bring in the young guys and there are times when the environment is so bad that it's not worth exposing them to that toxicity. Yeah, it's it's not their fault that the Dragons are in the position. It shouldn't be their, you know, it shouldn't be on their shoulders to bring them back up. It's got to be of the guys that have put them in that position to bring them back up. And then when they are playing well, that's when you bring in players. And that's why now... You know, Parramatta are slowly able to bring in Oregon Kafusi, Ray Stone, um, you know, the young guys, because there's a strong core around them. And there's, yeah, I, f- I felt really sorry for Adam Clune. And, I mean, you know, that, that, really that's the sort of model game. that has really worked so well for the Storm and the Roosters, hasn't it? That they've got that, yeah. that, like you said, that core of strong players that they can just supplement with young guys or journeymen and, and get the best out of them. So, and it's a position that Parramatta's put themselves in, like you said. So we're, we're now able to take advantage of that, and it's something that the Dragons absolutely cannot do at the moment. Well, I guess Newcastle were a study in bringing in uh, all juniors at once. And yes, that, that is another another salient point, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, let's jump into the preview, which will be the Eels in first position, take, uh, first position rather, taking on the Panthers in third position. Uh, this is Friday the 12th of June at 7.55pm. Uh, the premier spot, Friday night football. Uh, they love their their football on Friday afternoons, don't or Friday evenings. Not as much as Sundays, but almost. <laughs> Bankwest Stadium. Yes, thankfully. Uh, Bankwest Stadium, Channel 9 on KO as well, Foxtel Live Pass, etc. Uh, so the teams trotting out this week for the Panthers at fullbacks. Fullback Caleb Aikens on the wings, Josh Mansour and Brian Thor. And then in the centres, Dean Fare and Stephen Crichton. In the halves, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary returns from his COVID-19 suspension. Captain James Tamo at prop, 
as well as James Fisher-Harris, then Appy Corusau at number nine. Then the second row, Kikau, Capewell and Yo. Then the interchange bench is Matt Burton, Zane Tedovano, Moses Leota and Liam Martin. Extended bench is Mitch Kenny, Billy Burns, Jack Hetherington and Dylan Edwards. Then for the Eels at fullback and captain Clint Gutherson on the wings, Maker Sivo, Blake Ferguson, Michael Jennings and Wonga Blake in the centres. 5'8 is Dylan Brown, halfback Mitch Moses. The props are Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo at hooker Reid Marnie. In the second row, Sean Lane, Ryan Madison and Nathan Brown returns from a two-game suspension at lock. The interchange bench, Raymond Stone, Murata Niakore, Kane Evans, Penny Terrapo. The extended reserves is Brad Takarangi, Oregon Kafusi, George Jennings and Will Smith. So, just, so just a bit of change to the... Uh, Interchange bench. Yeah, just to confirm what we um, suspected from the weekend, Raystone was not dropped, but I believe he had some sort of bug or illness which saw him miss the game. So good to see Stoney come back into the mix. But yeah, got the big boy Nathan Brown back in the forward pack. So yeah, this that sets us up line. nicely. That's going to add so much to our team. It's going to add that line speed, a um, bit more aggression, aggression in defence. And I think while we did handle Manly's big pack there, just adding Brownie, a little bit of mongrel there. I think he gets under the opposition played skin. <laughs> yeah, I think that we're all, from forwards. we're all in agreement that Murata did a pretty good job filling in for Brownie at that lock. But, yeah, it's it's hard to replace what Nathan Brown brings to the team, especially in defense with that aggression, that speed you're talking about, Ham. He really leads the line. And Reid Marty tried to pick up that mantle and did a good job of it, but having two guys that can do that is huge. So... Really keen to see what Brownie can do. And I, I hope they streamline his game a little bit because Hamish was talking about this, weren't you? About how you, you think that he sort of gets caught ball playing a little bit too much at times. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd just like to see him charge onto the ball and, yeah. and just hit likes this game. Especially with um, you've got the three props that Ray, really lay that awesome platform in Junior, Reg, and um, Kane. You know, let him get off those fast play balls, get him behind the ruck and really tear up the, the retreating defense for that great footwork he has before the line. Then let the ball playing come from that. You know, let him um, be the link man as a as a tip on guy to another forward uh, as an option look instead of being the primary ball distributor through the middle. Especially because you've got guys like Junior and even Penny who are capable of doing that role. I just want to see Brownie tear into the ruck. And the revenge of former Eels players, uh, former Panthers players in the Eels squad, rather. <laughs> uh, so Reg Campbell-Gillard will be out for a bit of blood, although there's a <laughs> this gentle, article floating around. agreement. Not getting a run over Josh Mansour there and coming over here. Michael Jennings, he's been to another club since then. And Wonga Blake, of course, playing for them last season before coming over mid season switch. Um, So I don't know about gentlemen's agreements, but uh, Reg can be thankful that he'll have Reed, the the Terrier, backing him up rather than against him. Yeah, rather than cutting him down the way it happened in recent years. Oh, God, that uh, gentleman's agreement kills me. Um, yeah, I'm looking for hope the the Penrith boys have a big or the ex Penrith boys to have a big game against their old club. Hopefully, they don't, you know don't hype themselves up too much. I could see Wanga doing that definitely. Um, even though he he sort of he didn't play the first game against Penrith, did he? Because he was injured last year. No, the one right. that we lost against um, at Bank West, and then the second we didn't play a second game against Penrith last year, did we? Uh, we did earlier in the year. That's right. So there you go. So yeah, he'll be up for a, his um first hit up hit up against his old club, which I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit, but we'll talk about that with his defense in the red zone just needs to reel it in a little bit. But yeah, um I can see Reg really getting up for it because he had um some more inflammatory comments in the preseason in the lead up to our big trial game at Bega that um sort of um revved up the the engines over at Penrith talking about how the environment at Parramatta was so much healthier and, and much more pleasant. So Oh, I reckon they've probably still got that up as bulletin board material. Yeah, perhaps. Um, now, their forward pack, I think there's a, some things to like. James Tamo was really good last week. James Fisher-Harris seems to be a massive workhorse. Um, Billy Army Kikau, of course, is always dangerous on that left edge, I want to say, that he plays. He is left edge of Crichton, yeah. And Capewell seems to have found a, a, a spot there on the, the right edge, um, second row spot. How, how hard um, is it not to is just a, He's a Mr. Consistent in the middle, isn't he? Yeah, I don't mind his eye, yo. He's a... Real solid presence for him in the middle. And um, he's been able to play in the edges in that centre for him at times too. So a bit of versatility. But in that forward pack, somebody that Brad Arthur's had a bit of joy against and um, knows to direct traffic at, Appy Coruscant. Mm. I think you sort of mentioned it a bit earlier, 40, but do you want to highlight that? Yeah, in the past, especially, well, given that he was at Manly at the time, but um, we've been a very good matchup against Manly as we've spoken about in the past. But part of that matchup was um, Brad Arthur really picking on Appy Coruscant through the middle and really racking up that missed tackle count, sort of getting in behind him, making him use his arms instead of his shoulders to tackle, and he falls off those um, 
falls off those big boys through the middle. So I do wonder if we can exploit that against Penrith. We've got that really strong forward back lane, that great platform. And um, I wouldn't be surprised. There's something we've started using a lot is um, our backs coming into the midfield. Um, when we're around, around center, um, the center line halfway, Wunga Blake and Michael Jennings start poking in later in the game midfield, trying to catch those tiring forwards through the middle. Something that happened against Manly, and I would expect us to maybe bring it back against the um, Panthers this week. Yeah, you want to talk about um, Coruscant's defense. I think it was in that uh, now infamous round the, yes, the seven sim- game. In 2018. Uh, pardon? 20, the 2018 game? Yeah, 2018, you know. Yeah, Rwanda and while, Whilst we were um, doing pretty poorly elsewise, otherwise, in that game, Coruscant missed nine tackles. Still picked up two Dallas. <laughs> um you know, nine missed tackles against a team that, you know, ended up finishing last. That had some pretty dire so, issues, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Brad will have his cheat sheet um, up against Coruscant. It would probably be a copy-paste there. Uh, you know, so hopefully we can exploit that um, defensive deficiency around the ruck and really let um, Junior Campbell-Gillard really run right if they're going to be aiming up against Coruscant again. I think it'll be a, a big week for Guffo too as far as being on his feet. Uh, defensively, because I think Penrith do like to drop in that short, shallow grubber quite a bit. So he has to be um, really tracking that ball and be on point for um, the cleanup job. So hopefully he can um, get um, get on top of that as far as... Uh, I think it's it's less of a Cleary thing and more of a... Uh, I was going to say Burton and then the other bloke, uh, Luai, who like to drop it shallow off the boot. So if he's on his bike there, that'll really um, blunt in one of our big attacking threats. And I think that if we just keep him... Keep the like them in front of us. I really back our defense to keep them out. I, I know that Penrith do like to throw the ball around at times, and that can be a bit of a, a toll on a defense. But we've done a very good job of containing some, um, you know, I, I don't want to say explosive offenses, barring Manly, but you know, the, the Titans show they can score points. Um, the Broncos are just a mess, but um, and the even the Bulldogs scored points against the Dragons. So you now we've, we've been able to put a lid on some, you know, okay offenses or mediocre offenses, and we should be able to contain Penrith. I hope. And one of the big billings is the Battle of the Sevens. Uh, Fittler coming out and saying that uh, Moses may well have uh, Cleary pipped at the moment. So um, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the, the Battle of the Two Halfbacks. Uh, Moses, again, uh, struggling with a little bit of a leg injury, it seemed, throughout patches of that Manly game, but um, controlled the game really well. Yeah, so. So, such a composed effort off the off the boot. Um, he did also play you know, a bit of heads-up stuff. He... he I love that little option kick he puts for himself in the red zone. He scored against the Broncos in the final last year, and he got a line drop out against Manly, where he sort of fangs for that. He shades to the right for that, you know, little chip bomb to Ferguson or to Wanga Blake, and then he just pulls it in and just like rolls it towards the posts, and it really makes the fullback have to work changing angles off the um that sort of slide, and um it has gotten a result pretty much every time. So I love that. I'd love to see him at 100% fitness because he's he's is challenging the defense by getting back in behind the ruck. He did it a couple of times against Manly, and you can see that he's close to bar- breaking the line. But whether it's that half a step that he's missing or or something else, he just hasn't been able to slice into the backfield yet. So he's due for a big run, I think, Mitchie. And that gentleman's agreement article <laughs> written by uh, your friend Ham Christian Nicolucci. <laughs> oh, uh, lucky I didn't. Friggin' read it then. Is is it fire up time? It is um, fire up. Yeah, yeah, you can fire up here. Yeah, right. Get the bell. Ding, ding. Oh. Christian Nicolucci. Now, I was alerted to this uh, Twitter comment. Uh, is it is it pronounced Twitter? Twitter? Twitter. Um, whatever it is. Adam Mobbs on the 4th of June respl- replied to Mr. Chris Nicolucci and the pirate Peter Fitzsimmons. When have you ever suffered dirty seats or rusty loser of the footy? This scrub... Christian Nicolucci replied, Ring Rose, I am getting emotional just thinking about how anyone could disrespect great Ring Rose Oval. Mate, it is the only suburban ground that... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, boys. I'm getting choked up here. It's all right. Take your time. I, I understand this is an emotional topic. I'm thinking about the chips and gravy and the chips and gravy. The legendary only chips and gravy. Ground in, I'm going to say, I'm going to say worldwide. Actually, no, that's false. Australia-wide serves real chips with real gravy. God bless it. This insignificant ant who has somehow has a tweeter tick wants to call out a suburban ground for having dirty seats and rusty loos. If I ever see... I want want everyone just to turn up their volume because I'm going to whisper here. If I ever see Weasel, this this... if I ever see him on the street, I don't even know what he looks like because his his Twitter profile is something 
It's not Manny Pacquiao, is it? Like a certain Brent Reed. <laughs> no, it, it's three. It's three. You know who it is? It's this loser, big chinned idiot Nathan Cleary. This unknown fullback Tom Trevojevic, and a pretty handy player in James Sesko. I don't mind James. And so I don't even know what he looks like. But if I ever hear his name, someone say, "Oh, that's Christian Nicolucci." He will be the first first person that I will skin. And wear it over so I can. Oh, and he's. I know, we're going to throw you their hand before. Uh, you know, you they know, they drew up. first blood. <laughs> Come on, Rambo, calm down. <laughs> but yeah, I think when they were talking about suburban grounds, they meant like for, for, first, for teams that have a first grade uh, team actually yeah, field. And, and yeah. I know, I know, Hamlet. We love both Phil Bagpies, but they don't even have a reserve grade team now in the uh, New South Wales Cup if it were being run. But I know that uh, Ham was, you know, obviously, you know, Exaggerating a little bit with his um his threats there, but Ringrose Park is legitimately a, a good place to watch footy, and um they've actually had a nice renovation in recent years, and there's a good grandstand with good amenities, like there's actually good toilets, and um they've got one of the better canteens that I would actually argue is better than most football grounds as far as what it provides. The old Wenty Roll, uh, good pies, chips and gravy. So yeah, I, I don't really know steak where. Sandwich. Oh, yeah, exactly the the steak sandwich. I don't really know where Nikoluski was coming from because Ring Rose is actually as um as far as a, a footy venue is concerned, pretty good. Doesn't yeah. matter where he's coming from; it matters where he's going to end up. Going <laughs> 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 to bury him six feet under, Christian. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when you've got uh, venues like Leichhardt where the the troughs just overfill oh. with piss and there's one ATM in the whole <laughs> and Brook Brook fan, um, oh the ball. I'm calling him out, Christian Nicolucci. I know you're not listening, but I will fight you in a boxing ring. <laughs> that is the rugby league way. Get in a boxing ring for charity. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on from there, and um, we'll get to our tips. Uh, Birdie, how are you liking it? Uh, I, what I'm going to say is legit and. I'm not talking shit, but when I think you, we're going to kill when them. When are you ever not legit, baby? You're always legit, baby. Oh, but I think we're going to kill them. Like, <laughs> So the, before the Manly game, we we versed a bunch of plebs and nothings, and we've had everything go our way, essentially. Like, like forget about the Bulldogs game. That's just a one-off. But like, you know, against the Titans and Broncos, we weren't tested. Yet we were tested by Manly, and the only reason they scored is off our errors and you know clocking off. So I feel as though the team are going to respond because they've had it easy up until Manly. Now they know, hey, we have to put the foot on the throat. And, you know, go on with the job. So I expect Paramount to win like 34 to 10. Uh, first try score, I'm going to go with Wonga Blake. And he's going to dab on them. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, you look at their bench, their bench is dog shit. If, if, like, if Wonga like, actually dabs on them, I'll be so proud of you, buddy. I'll be so proud. <laughs> oh, but like, just looking at their bench, it's, it's just so, like, they've got, because they're going to, obviously, we're, gonna, we're, we're front runners, right? So we're going to kick on with a good lead. They're going to bring on their bench to try and, like, you know, Hail Mary and try to win it off every play, but their bench don't scare me. Like, I'm not not too worried about them. It's just Cleary. That's it. you got to worry. And, um, yeah, Kakao, like, he's good for one run, but other than that, he's just a little softy. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm expecting them to learn from their mistakes power this week and let you go off the job. And finally, we'll get some respect of beating a or winning a good game as opposed to, like, get, being gifted a game and versing a bunch of plebs. 40. Yeah, after bleeding a couple of tries of Manly in the second half, I'm hoping that the Eels can get back their um, real steal on defense and, and keep the Penrith Panthers restricted to single-digit points. So I'll, I'll go for a 22-6 win, I think. So we'll go, oh, but that means Moses misses a goal. 26. So four tries, Moses converting all of them. Uh, I think first try scorer, i got to back the fully loaded man. i got to back Big Reg to get over against his old club. He's been fanging for a try all season. He's been so close. He's going to open up the scoring against Panthers. Ham. Um, yeah, I think with Cleary back in the side, I think they become a little bit more predictable. He plays well to a structure there. Um, but I just a little bit more can handle. It's when, you know, you have guys like Burton, Luai, who uh, can play off the back of a quick play that we get, um, especially with again calls there. So... No, I think they'll be lucky if they do score a try. Um, I don't want to be too cocky about that because um, it will come back and bite me on the bum. Uh, Penrith, four, which is two penalty goals. Parramatta, 32 with Dylan Brown. All right, well, I've got a closer affair, 18-14. Uh, Eels getting over the top with uh, Ferguson to go backflip. Try. <laughs> um, score a, to do a backflip in the in the process of scoring a try. Not <laughs> 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 
And uh, match officials, Jared Sutton gets the uh, whistle. Uh, touches Chris Butler and Phil Henderson. Brian I think Norrie. that's a big for us. Yeah, he, he's, he, he seems to be calling fairly well at the moment. So yeah, uh, He seems to want a quick game. You know, we had him against the Broncos and called a few six against early but put the whistle away. But I think that really, those initial ones sort of told both teams, you know, we're going to have a quick game here. There's no mucking around in the ruck. So um, hopefully calls them again early and get them um, with some more impact off the bench, providing that we uh, hold the ball early. Yep, that's again starting fast seems to be the uh, the key to, to winning matches so far this season. Um, so fingers crossed we can start quick and, and keep it going from there. Um, all right, well, I think that'll wrap up this 100th edition of the Para Podcast. You've had a bit of everything, review, preview, some news, uh, Ham wanting to put uh, some on some certain someone's <laughs> chin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, everything said in this podcast is an act of fiction and is not to be taken seriously. Good man, good man. <laughs> All right, well, we'll wrap it up there for the 100th edition. So cheers, Birdie, cheers, 40, cheers, Ham, and we'll catch you on the next Para Podcast. Catch you, fellas. Keep on. Let us see.